You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Coming to you from Magnified Cemeteries, Magnified Pod presents Magnifright Pod, a nostalgic sampling of horror punk albums from the Christian alternative scene. Join us in the pits of hell. I am Count Andrew. I'm... For the last time for now, sadly, John Powder. <laughs> yes. The last episode. Oh, this is our podcast. That's our food werewolf. <laughs> yes. Okay. How could I forget? <laughs> Never forget. Uh, this is our last episode of Magnifrite Pod. It's been a good time. It's been a great time. Yeah. I feel like this has been even though it's only been a month i feel like there's just been so much yeah that has come from this yeah short little series and that it's been so enjoyable it really has uh packing like a band's worth into one episode each is kind of a challenge and has given us plenty to sort of chew right. on um right. but also just you know digging digging that spooky vibe living in that that spooky world it's been fun but you know what john this the spookiness isn't going to end because <laughs> we've made some connections yes through these episodes and it's true. we there will be more to come magnifrite right. pod will will live on in future episodes we'll say that's right i'll live in my heart forever <laughs> got that sweet new merch up mm. really excited about uh magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com mm-hmm. for that sweet magnified pod merch. Um, so we've got a full episode. We've got, obviously we're going to be talking about our boy, Joe Whiteford mm-hmm. of Harley Poe. A little later, we're going to be talking about the album in the dark or mm-hmm. B movie trash. Mm. 2004 record but before we get to that you know we're gonna have a game we're gonna have some other we're gonna revisit a story Mm. that we've discussed on the pod before but indeed it's the most appropriate time of the year to discuss and so maybe there's some people who are listening now that never heard this sure and i always love hearing the story (laughs) because it's it's just part it's part of john potter lore now these days that's right yeah it's it's Part of my spooky soul. Yes. Um, but before we get into anything, mm. the last of the seasonal beers, I guess we could say, uh-huh. at least for this this spooky season. Sure. What you got? Been, been some hit or miss misses uh, yes. this month? <laughs> yes. 
uh, I had a pumpkin beer that was one of the worst beers I've ever had. <laughs> it was a disaster. Tell me more. But this, uh, as I discussed on previous episode about the uh, Oktoberfest blind taste test we did for our bro dabbler, I'm mm-hmm. this week drinking my number one ah. Oktoberfest beer because last week I drank the number two um, Oktoberfest beer um, by Bald Man Brewing. This week I'm drinking the Omni, which I brought up last week, but mm-hmm. it is a our classic Marzen Oktoberfest lager is slightly bready and definitely delicious. Mm. So Sounds good to me. It, keeping it short and sweet. Sure. Um, and you're keeping it in the pumpkin arena. I am. I have a atomic pumpkin from Voodoo Ranger. Mm-hmm. They do a you know variety of uh, seasonal beers and, and pumpkin beers each season, but this one is a spicy atomic pumpkin. Spicy. Yeah, it's a uh, it's ale brewed with pumpkin, cinnamon, and chilies. That actually sounds pretty interesting. Oh yeah, it does. Get those chilies in there. You know, I like my spicy beers. Yes. So I'm gonna pour this bad boy. Because we, you know, that Surly Brewing in uh, in the Twin Cities, they have a beer called Hell. Sure do. Which I think is uh, which is one of their spicy beers. Love a spicy beer. Do I love a spicy pumpkin beer? Let's find out. About to find out. Ooh. Yeah, that works for me. So there's cinnamon and chilies and pumpkin. Yep. And it feels is, very is it sweet. It's sweet. It, it definitely, when it first hits your palate, tastes more like a traditional sort of pumpkin beer with that cinnamon forward okay. flavor. But the end, definitely, the spiciness lingers. Mm. The chilies hit you at the end. I feel like that's a good balance. Yeah. Just that's, it's a. That's good. Something that kind of comes back around. Yeah. You with that secondary experience. Right. I like that. Yeah. The pumpkin on its own may be too sweet, yeah. but balancing it out with some spice at the end there. Mm. Into it. For it. Speaking of pumpkins, John. Yeah. Grab your, grab your pumpkin, buddy. I got my orange pumpkin. It's in there. One lonely, solitary bag of candy mm. left in my orange pumpkin. Everybody um, wants to know what is it? Well, we're ending sort of on we i feel like you know we could have ended on a high note this week if i if i had chosen to switch it out but as we as we know we did the the haribo uh what is it the the sour what is this some kind of bats or something yeah sour vampire bats was the first week and then we did the the shriekers the skittles uh, shriekers Yes. And then last week, I did the Warheads Sour Body Parts gummy yep. candy. They were a hit. And this week, kind of bringing it full circle with the Haribo Halloween edition Scare Mix. Scare Mix? Oh, shit, bro. Look what I got. Oh, you got that Scare Mix, bro? <laughs> I love my skeletons as my virtual background, yeah, so you can't, can't see it. <laughs> can't see it. I, too, yeah. have the Scare Mix, yes. Yeah. So right. it's a... Uh, it's has the Haribo bear on the front. He's holding a pumpkin and he's holding a sign that says with spooky flavors. It, um, 
It's a good sign. It fails to list any of the flavors. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what the flavors are. And it looks like it's all of the normal shapes. <laughs> well, I, don't, I think it's just this is one of those snakes in there, maybe. One of those things where it's just like, yeah, they we got like, snakes. They're like we double, got they're like double double snakes. snakes. <laughs> Hashtag double snakes. We got soda bottles, cherries, bears, and then a little ring. I don't know. Is that what it is? A spooky ring. Oh, the spooky flavors. It tastes a little Ooh. weird at first. Oh, it's so good. Gummies are so good, man. Arabo of America, Rosemont, Illinois. Might have to do a remote segment there. I would enjoy that. Doesn't taste particularly spooky to me, but it does taste delicious. Yeah. Definitely not spooky. I guess the snakes are the one thing that are a little spooky. But it says spooky flavors. Not very spooky, but good. Will I eat them? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, you will. Last um, last beer and candy. Um, yep. So, John, before we get into really anything else, we need to get into some voicemails. We have yes. a voicemail line. 872-762-4763, 8727-MACPOD. Or you can send us a voice memo to magnifiedpod at gmail.com. We have a voicemail here from Brian Paff. Hey, what's up, dudes? This is Brian from South Dakota. I wanted to talk about a couple of things. One, Warhead's candy. Uh, really fun candy. I uh, love love the, the, the punch that Warheads provide. I actually also know the person who did the original design uh, for Warheads Candy. Um, his name is Mike Dowling. I work with him in, oh, wow. in my current job. And uh, yeah, he's kind of a legendary designer, but just an all-around great guy. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's the creator of the, the iconic uh, puckered face guy, uh, you know, that has been the, the symbol of Warheads for I don't know however many years. So uh, yeah, pretty cool story. Uh, Hell Houses, Kind of surprised you guys hadn't even brought them up until this last week and and still only in passing. I've never been to one. I am uh, perplexed, uh, intrigued, and also horrified um, in, in not a good way <laughs> by the concept of, of doing a hell house. Uh, I do have a good friend that has gone to one. She was maybe in high school, early college, um, in the late 90s, early early 2000s. And she said that she could not stop laughing. I guess you get to kind of a final scene or room in a hell house and uh, you're kind of, it's kind of like a forced altar call where you have to choose, you know, if you're following Jesus or I guess if you're following the devil. And she right. just could not stop laughing. Uh, wow. Kind of reminded me of the Jaws story that somebody called in uh, from last week. But uh, I just wish I could have been here, been there just for that, just to, just to witness her laughing and obviously the people running the hell house taking things very seriously and seeing this as a uh, eternal life or death uh, situation. So uh, yeah, very, very intriguing thing. Uh, all of this is just prelude to say I'm loving what you guys are doing uh, with the Magnified Pod uh, series here for October. Uh, and I also really love the intro music, which leads me to uh, updating my power rankings uh, for your intro songs this season. So I'm going to start in reverse order. Uh, number seven for me is Dogwood. Number six would be Goaty Hook. Five, Ace Troubleshooter. Four, Slick Shoes. Three, still loving Value Pack, but I bumped them down because I really liked what you guys did uh, with Craig's brother. And so that is my number two. But man, I got to give it to you uh, for the Magnified Pod intro music. It 
perfectly sets the tone. I know there's no creative lyrics that you uh, did with that, but you guys are just having a lot of fun with it and it's been fun for us. So thanks a lot, Magpod for death. And we'll talk to you later. <laughs> thanks, buddy. Thanks, man. Um, I appreciate that. A, a ranking for the for the <laughs> intros. I appreciate that. Yes, a voicemail after our own heart there, ranking our, our songs. Um, people are generous to say you guys when they talk about these because these are 100% Andrew. <laughs> I am not involved other than occasionally hearing them before uh, the show. But um, I mean, I, had, I guess I had a little more involvement, uh, Magnifrite Pod, but usually when you're playing those instruments, coming up with new arrangements, coming up with lyrics, that's all you. So yes, you we, you deserve more more shine for that. Well, I mean, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, we I don't know if if we have or haven't um this uh, for during magnified pod called out that you were the one that came up with the magnified pod actual intro the what i'm saying right that was all that was all you um so got to give credit where credit is due for that it's a partnership um, partnership bro it's a partnership um yeah the I, uh, the we, no i want to talk about that that that's so cool that Warheads logo. Yeah, that's yeah. Because what is that? It's at least the '90s, at the very least. Well, he also wrote additionally and said that in his office, uh, where he works with this guy, I think it's a marketing firm. They have like a monitor that scrolls ads they produced from the '70s and beyond, and the Warheads ad is in there. So it could be as early as maybe '70s or '80s. But oh, yeah, wow. for oh, a long gosh. time. Wow, unbelievable. I guess that, if he worked with him, it yeah. probably wasn't '70s, but you know, it's been a while. Uh, he also said uh, he failed to mention this, but Macy, his dog, is terrified by the phantom cackler. Uh, she'll be curled up on the front seat of the car, and as soon as he comes on, she gets up and looks around. My sixty-pound pit bull is terrified of the phantom cackler. Um, so that's a good, good piece of trivia. I. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, is it the phantom cackler when he's doing all of his like foley work, or just uh, like? <laughs> A lot, a lot going on. Kind of like Harley <laughs> Poe, where their sound evolves to add more instruments. That they can, yeah, I love, I love the Phantom Cackler. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we at least got one. Absolutely, Phantom Cackler. This, this, uh, Magnifite Pod season. Which, uh, which song intro are you are you proudest of? Oh, uh. I, I gotta know. be honest and say a lot of them blurred together for me. <laughs> I don't know. I have a... brother stood out as number one for Brian. Hmm. Well, that hit, well that was his number two. The uh, the number magnifite number one. Mag... Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think I don't know. I'll have to give him a listen. But I really enjoyed doing uh, uh, the value pack one. I like the value pack and the ace troubleshooter. Those were. What do we do for value pack? Uh. What was it? It was a, uh, it was one where I was like going sort of hardcore punk. They're one of the right, hardcore right, punk right. songs. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember which song it was though. That was good. They're all good. Um, what will be next? We'll see. Uh, Hell Houses. Do you have any direct experience with Hell Houses? Fortunately, no. I'm really glad I didn't. You know, the, growing up in the Covenant Church, we yeah, certainly an evangelical denomination, but not quite there. <laughs> not not quite that far. And uh, I don't know if my dad would have even supported me going yeah. to such a thing. So, right. 
Yeah, I've I've not experienced one firsthand. I do remember going to uh, <laughs> our friend Brian Dirksen, his uh, his home Brian. church <laughs> during Halloween. Didn't have a hell house, but they had like a you know sort of alternative Halloween party where they had set up like a big maze and stuff. Um, and I think I said this when we were on when we did our Sadie Hawkins pod crossover, but I have a distinct memory of like crawling through this like vent of a maze and Reliant K is pumping through the sound system <laughs> and I couldn't figure out how to get out. So I just like kicked open a wall and kind of crawled out. <laughs> but at the time it was like, oh, 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 while I was doing that. Um, <laughs> so I had that experience. I've also, I mean, I've seen the documentary Hell House uh, for folks who haven't seen that one that's sort of a uh, a look at different hell houses um and the phenomenon of of them yeah like brian's describing there's usually i mean it's, it's like a chick track to come to life right there's like an ending where you choose a door whether you choose damnation or salvation but when i looked up uh the uh, the wikipedia for the hell house movie just now yeah this this confirms my memories of it which it says uh let's see uh they show a death scene followed by a trip to hell immediately followed by an invitation to viewers to accept christ and save their soul aside from an hiv death scene and an abortion scene there are school shooting date rape suicide and drunk driving accident death scenes so just a good time all around yikes that is tough yeah it sure is no one needs that all right we got matt jones Hey guys, this is Matt Jones calling from Mount Vernon, Ohio. Fun Christian Halloween story. Back in the day, I worked at family Christian stores, and I actually worked at a location inside a mall. And during Halloween, the mall had given candy to all of the stores to pass out on um, Halloween. And I remember our customers would be upset that we were participating in such a uh, an evil ritual. Um, there was one customer. Uh, do you remember Testaments? Yes. They were those mints yes. that y- you could sell to people, and they had scriptures on them. Yeah. One of our of customers asked if we were handing out Testaments to people uh-huh. that were wanting candy, and he was so upset that we weren't, or maybe he was just confused. I, I don't know, but it, it was – Okay. All the scene. It was just ridiculous how upset people were. Oh, it was such a black and white issue, and our participation meant that we were, you know, actively participating in that evil, whatever. But all that aside, um, just a funny story to share with you guys. Uh, really, really loved uh, your reviews of the Craig's Brother catalog. I have since gone out and bought all of their albums, and yeah, yeah. have really enjoyed listening to them so thanks for all that you guys do mac pod for life bye-bye thanks matt thanks matt yeah uh some of your uh donnie darko voicemail section got cut off at the beginning it sounded like you were saying that patrick swayze was yeah. what drew you to uh donnie darko yes uh, an unfortunate <laughs> ending for that for that character in the film but uh yeah um, um that is to me i still somebody getting upset in handing out candy to children i just will not understand why what it is in that sort of they see as some sort of like satanic 
ritual on par with like lighting candles and drawing a pentagram on the floor, you know. Well, it's a slippery slope, Andrew. The, <laughs> One day you're handing out a fun-sized Snickers. Next day you're <laughs> worshiping the Dark Lord. Yeah, the only thing fun is that your eternity will be spent in torment. I don't know. That's not fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know this is how the enemy gets you. He lures you in with with candy. Yeah, but uh, it's not all so sweet, is it? <laughs> no. Some someday your the sweetness will turn to bitterness and mm. that bitterness will turn to sulfur because you're in a lake of it cool 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 way to be the no candy at the mall (laughs) (laughs) we got some we got some uh danny leary city hawkins pod and uh magnifite pod art contributor hey uh i've been so this is dan leary so i've been listening to everybody's stories and you know you two your stories about being kids and being into scary movies and books are not right and my stories haven't been that specific enough to feel worth calling about until i had this memory unlocked from what you guys are talking about so and i'm so happy to have this memory back so i was a scaredy cat kid i did not like scary books scary movies i had no interest in goosebumps like to me i assumed goosebumps books were like literally filled with gore and murder they're not (laughs) but that's what i assumed as a little kid my imagination was always way worse than actual scary media, well, scary media meant for kids. So I did not see the entertainment value in that stuff at all. And it wasn't really from a religious point of view. My parents were not like the most strict with media, you know? If they saw something that they didn't like, they'd take it away, but they didn't take away a lot. Um, Basically what I just remembered was one time we were visiting a church. As a little kid, my parents go to visit a church of like their friends or somebody it's a church we've never been to and it's nighttime and it might have been a special event i think my parents went to a special event at a different church they brought me the kids were apart from this event the like lady who's watching all of the kids is like oh we can read a scary story and i'm like what the fuck are you serious and it wasn't just any story it was scary stories to tell in the dark and i was like yes are written by Satan. <laughs> Why would we read one of them in a Christian church? I didn't actually think they were written by Satan, but I thought they were the scariest fucking thing with those pictures. And then, like, yes. I cannot believe this is happening at church right now. This sucks. I was so upset. <laughs> Since then, I mean, after well after then, I mean, this memory I'm just happy to have back. I could. It was so funny. I actually had to like go into a different classroom and just sit there quietly by myself while all the other kids had like scary stories to tell in the dark right to them. And it was the one that someone told me about it later. It's the one where the kid finds like fingers in his dog's throat. And turns out there's like a, a, a break-in guy in their house and they call the police. I'm like, why would I want to hear a story like that? That is not entertainment. But uh. I'm sure I'm running out of time. Eventually, yeah, I got like 30 seconds left. Eventually I did start reading scary books and stuff. And I skipped all of that R.L. Stein goosebumps stuff and went straight to Stephen King with the sand like I never read a goosebumps book in my life but suddenly I read (laughs) Stephen King's longest book when I was like 12 and I it was all because uh I got into revelation stuff (laughs) because the bible ends with a fantasy novel and it kicks ass when you're 15 and you're like yeah fucking demons and multi-headed things coming out of the ocean cool and uh yeah (laughs) um so 
we uh, got to call out our boy Stephen Gamble. Yes. Uh, the illustrator. Yes. For the scary stories. Who? Twin Cities own. Yeah. Stephen resides Gamble. somewhere, uh, I believe, somewhere in St. Paul. Oh, I know his exact house. Uh, <laughs> you creeper. <laughs> well, I know his exact house in part because shadow producer Jason not only knows the house, but has been to the house in an effort to interview him. So we we did some uh, reconnaissance and, and confirmed our sources. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, for more on uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, check out the episode of Common Creatives that I did yes. uh, with them where we, we got into it deeply. Uh, scary stories means a lot to me. My reaction as a, a child uh, would not have been scary stories at church. This sucks. It would have been this is this rules. <laughs> scary stories at church. All right, uh, but I understand, Danny. I, John you know. would be like fist pumping and the- <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, yeah, one of Satan's few uh, bylines. Uh, the scary stories series. Um, <laughs> not a prolific author. Um, but yeah, diving into uh, the stand. I, mean, I don't know. Let's yeah. see. Uh, I mean, Satan wrote uh, Harry Potter. Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. What else? I guess he has done a fair amount. <laughs> um, Satan's a turf now too, which sucks. Um, yep. And uh, uh, yeah. So, but 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 going straight to the stand. That's 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 diving into the deep end. I mean, I know that's not exactly, uh, you know horror i mean it's horror in its own way it's not spooky like scary stories is spooky but it is scary um but uh, yeah i wonder uh i mean left behind is, is sitting right there if you're looking for apocalyptic fiction as a young evangelical so i don't know yep it's true uh we got a little bit more danny larry hey and i got one more halloween memory i just thought of from my childhood based off of danny stairs story about dressing up his bible characters for Halloween. Um, so yeah, my parents, like we talked about this a little bit when I've been, when we've done podcasts together, but I've had it, had it more in context recently from your guys' podcasts, from other podcasts I listen to that cover Reliant K songs and things like that. I'm like, yeah, my parents weren't like that religious and, and we definitely were not anything like evangelical. I kind of realized it in hindsight, like mm-hmm. th- that wasn't really what the deal with my family was. But at some point in the early or late 80s, you know, I did do Halloween, and I did not like spooky stories, but I still like Halloween. I like candy. I like the dressing up. I liked, like, monsters as, you know, artwork and stuff like that. I wasn't scared of things just like that. So one year, I tell my mom, I want to be a vampire for Halloween, and she begrudgingly makes me the costume and puts me in it. And then she cries. <laughs> I just kind of laugh at my mom crying because she's like, she didn't say this, but the the implication is Satan has my boy's soul because I he wants to be a, hey, you know, it's good on my mom. Like she's like she sees what I wanted to be. I told her what I wanted to be. She made the costume, but she still considers dressing as a Dracula for Halloween to be like a sign that my soul was damned forever or something. I'm sure it wasn't really that that extreme, but she took it hard. So, you know, what a good mom. She she did her best. She did her best, <laughs> despite all the satanic panic. Like, yeah, it was the 80s, so it was literally the satanic panic. Yeah. Time, so I get it. Anyway, uh, Mag writes for death. Yeah. 
Vampires in love. <laughs> That's what Danny was singing as a child. Yeah, his mom. His mom woke up in the middle of the night, <laughs> thinking yeah. about how Danny had fallen away from the Lord. It was a horrible night. <laughs> the night my kid dressed as a Dracula. <laughs> That's such a. It's such a sweet thing to, for like a parent to be like that concerned, but at the same yeah, time, yeah. it's like, again, kids dressing in a costume. It's pretty cute. <laughs> you know it's also like, like a little vampire i mean that's such a like standard that's one of the like three halloween kid costumes right I know. so it's just like funny to imagine it'd be like and here you go here's your fangs like, <laughs> danny oh, walking door to door trading candy for his soul <laughs> oh mrs leary you know what she dressed him up as, as a vampire though and and that's that that's worth something that tears is. or not <laughs> good memories thank yes. you danny um we have a series of voicemails, John. This is so we not only do we not have any Danny Stairs voicemails. Wow. How many? What's our percentage of episodes that has not featured one? I'm slow. I mean, not only do we not have any Danny Stairs, we have three from Mickey. What's going on right now? I know. There's a trade. I I don't know. Maybe Danny Stairs took the week off. Yeah, he told her. There's some extra space, so she filled it. Yeah. All right. Let's so see. we got some Mickey. Hey guys, it's your witch, Mickey. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, um, so I'll I'll admit it's taking me longer to get through the episodes than it used to. Uh, things with work have just made it very difficult to listen, and then all of a sudden it's been weeks, and I'm like super behind. But my my gut reaction here, uh, first of all, is a couple of weeks ago there was the but the game, John deserves more points. Oh I'll listen God. back That's to the right. tapes. I'll get you That's the specifics. Right. He, oh he deserves God. more points, okay? That's, I'm just throwing that out here. Oh, um, so I really. also have some some takes on the spoopy season. Uh, mm. And so, like, I'm well aware that this first one might start a bit of a controversy. Mm. But mm. up until recently, I've never actually really been into Halloween, like, it wasn't really a thing for me as a kid. My parents didn't take me trick-or-treating, so it just kind of passed me by. But uh, recently I've been trying to get into it a little bit more. Um, so so I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, I'm not really a scary movie type of person, but my boyfriend is. So he also has Shudder, John. And so if you ever want yes. to talk about the shitty scary movies on there, I've probably <laughs> seen them because I've seen so many of them. Um, but so I have seen a handful of scary movies, most of them pretty bad. Most of them I do not like, but there was one that I watched, uh, it's called as above, so below. And yeah. that one was really good. Uh, even though, yeah, at one point I got really mad, <laughs> I made us rage, stop watching it because I was, I, I got too spooked. And <laughs> anyways, um, I, I also wanted to mention that, um, so this is something I've talked about with Andrew on the side before. Um, but so when Are You Afraid of the Dark was originally airing, mm -hmm. I was too young for it then. But I yeah. did catch some reruns of it in the early 2000s, and I was still far too young for it. And I remember uh, a couple of episodes, and they just completely scared the crap out of me. <laughs> I did recently watch the, the reboot, um, a very different feel but I liked it. It was pretty good. Um, 
I think there was one more thing that I wanted to mention that I forgot to put on my on my notes, but I, I don't remember right now. So I will just end it here and say Magpie for death. Yes. Um, as above, so below. I actually haven't seen. So Mickey's got some horror movie credit here. Oh, shit. John. On me. If I was meant to see it, it's about like uh, going down to the uh, catacombs in Paris, if I'm not mistaken, which I always thought sounded like a really cool premise um and yeah that uh that uh what's it called <laughs> are you afraid of the dark are you afraid of the dark reboot we talked about that i gotta we gotta check that out i gotta get into i that. still haven't seen that but um yes again when it, like when it originally came out mickey was talking about how she was too young and i when it came out for me i was like scared just based on the merit of the intro to it right right all i needed to see when i was a kid was the canoe and i'm like i'm out <laughs> i mean as we discussed the intro or the rowboat the it's not it's not a, yes. not a canoe and rowboat the intro may be the scariest thing about most episodes though so i mean there are some there are some there's some that episodes intro, though, they're pretty the, spooky but intro is very effectively scary yes yes yes, yes. Um, all right, we got we got Mickey's second voicemail. Hey, it's Mickey again. Uh, two voicemails. Who am I, right? Anyways, um, I wanted to clarify the the movie as above, so below. I did end up finishing it. <laughs> I just had to finish it at another time when it wasn't like midnight and and I was being less of a little bitch. Um, and the other thing, I do remember my other point that I wanted to. I, I thought about mentioning. Um, I. Like I said, I'm not really a scary movie kind of person, um, but I I kind of begrudgingly, begrudgingly watch them now. But a, a movie I saw a while back, it's called Pie Walket, um, and it is not really a jump scare kind of movie, but anytime I watch horror, like, my body is just ready for jump scares. And so I was watching this movie, which was really good. Um, and at one point, there was this character and all that happened was they put down a basket of laundry but it made a really big thud i practically jumped out of my skin like this is how much of a horror movie person i am not just just for some reference uh, a basket of laundry scared the shit out of me so um yeah there are my additional thoughts i'll probably call again in like you know four months whatever goodbye mm, more like four minutes yeah right uh okay so john do you where do you stand on jump scares is it a horror movie staple or is it a cheap scare i feel like like many things in culture it's kind of come all the way back around like there was like a backlash and people are like oh jump scares are too easy we're more about elevated horror where it's Mm. a slow burn and you have to earn those scares and at the time, I was like, hell yeah, that's the best kind. But I feel like that elevated horror thing, those people kind of got up their own ass to some extent. And it's like, we can enjoy all kinds of horror, all kinds of scares. I don't think it has to be limited to only, you know, slow burn, non like music sting. You know, you're on the couch and you lean forward and you come back to the couch and there's a ghost sitting there moments. Yeah. I think jump scares can be very effective as well. So I think it's, a, you know, it's a mix. Yeah. I think that's. That's fair. Well, last voicemail, and it's it's Mickey. Hey, it's Mickey again. Um, so I'm still working my way through the the episode from uh, last week, 
but uh, I just finished listening to the game, and the the local monster legend made me think of uh, my own from my hometown area. So I'm from Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and my dad's mom's family has been in the southeastern uh, area of Wisconsin for a long time. And so my grandma is originally from Elkhorn, and there is this legend that is called the Beast of Bray Road. And so yes. Bray Road was actually named for my grandmother's family because uh, wow. at the time they were the only ones living on it. But anyways, there there's just this theory that it's some sort of like werewolf-esque creature that roams the road and just like terrorizes people or whatever. And but but to make it better, there is this terrible movie that's made of the story, um, <laughs> and you know they just completely fabricated some sort of plot line for it. But like it it says right at the beginning of it, it's like this is based on a true story, and it's like whatever. But anyways, <laughs> just just a cool little local local monster legend for you. Um, anyways, Magpod for death. Uh, that's amazing. I definitely am familiar with the Beast of Bray Road. Uh, and I don't know if it's just from reading so many of those, like, weird Illinois, Wisconsin books or whatever. Or I'm sure I've heard of that shitty movie you're referencing as well, too. Um, but fascinating that you have a, a family link to that story, Mickey. Um, also, Piawocket, that other movie you mentioned, I Googled it. And once I saw the image, I was like, oh, yeah, I've, I've seen this around, but I definitely haven't seen that one. So I should I should check that out, too. Uh, Beast of Bray Road thoughts, Andrew? Um, I I love I think you could probably find go to any mm. town. Right. You could probably find everybody has their like local legend of some kind. Like I I, I just love that so many things so many places around the country have their have their little legends and they're so hyper specific and <laughs> yeah you know we uh <laughs> just shared with you today john i believe it i, th- I believe it was today the mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was an article about the best and worst cities for vampires yeah uh, 2021's best so this is mm. an updated list Hot off uh, the presses. Hot off the presses, John. Uh, Naperville, Illinois, is number one. You got to be careful, bro. Doesn't doesn't You're... strike me as a vampire town. We'll just say that. <laughs> well, in Chicago's number three, sure. close behind is uh, St. Paul at number yes. six. St. Paul makes the list, not not Minneapolis. No, yes. So, but Illinois is. Uh, three in the top ten has three right. cities in the top ten. Aurora as well, yes. Yes, Aurora is number seven. Those, but... those western suburbs, something's <laughs> going on with the vampires out there. I know, and and the 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 way it is, like the they sort of the metrics are uh, most blood centers, most <laughs> casket suppliers, highest share of homes homes with basements. <laughs> Uh, lowest amount of yearly sunshine and fewest garlic festivals. Okay, fascinating. But my favorite, my favorite part of all of this was the the this paragraph, and I sent to you. It says 
Chicago has an active vampire community of more than 700 members, but that's not the only reason the Midwestern city and its surrounding suburbs have proven to be a top to be top vampire destinations. Just casually <laughs> throwing that in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Most major metropolitan areas have an active vampire community. Yeah. Uh, or as you as you coined it, an AVC. That's right. <laughs> it's a high AVC. As we say in the Chicago suburbs. <laughs> It's like when it's like, okay, so what are the school districts like? What's the park? <laughs> the park situation? What's the ABC? <laughs> it's on Zillow. It's, it's, on, like it's on Zillow. Five fangs or whatever. <laughs> yeah, this is, is this going to, is this going to affect the, the resale value of my, of my, I don't know. I don't want the vampires moving in. With the ACB level too high. Um, amazing. Yes. Um, thank you everybody for those voicemails. Yes. Um, John, since we're in on the topic of talking mm. about spooky things occur- occurring in the Twin Cities, mm. I think now might be a good time to revisit a story that you've shared before on the pod last season. So it has been well over a year. It's been. It's been. One year since I said this thing. Yeah, this was this was like probably a year and a half ago, my guess. Yeah, my guess. That sounds right. So um, I think I've maybe even told it one additional time, maybe, but whatever, it, you know, it's, it's, it's what I have to contribute. <laughs> um, well, it is a fantastic story. Yeah. Well, so I want everybody just turn down the lights wherever you're at. Yeah. Imagine I'm pointing a flashlight up at my face. And you know what I'm going to do, John? I'm going to, I'm going to add some like, Ooh, yeah. uh, I'm going to add some dramatic, you know, maybe I'll put in some like rain yes. sound effects. I'll put in some spooky music here. I'll, yes, help, please. I'll, I'll help set the scene. Yes. Just so everybody can be prepared and have that, have that all just kind of perfect. Yes. Pull up, pull up a chair. In get, my... under, get under a blanket. Yeah. We're in a, we're in a darkened library together. Submitted for um, the approval. Submitted for the approval of the Magnite Society. I call this story Hats Off to the Hat Man. <laughs> How about that? Sure. Um, so, ooh, yeah, that was good. Um, so, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota is the scene. The year 2002. It is late summertime. I am with my girlfriend at the time. It's late. Um, we decide to go for a little uh, midnight stroll. Mm. We're young, you know. What do we got going on? Who who's stopping us from from going for a walk in her neighborhood late at night? Now, the last time I told this, I was like, I can't remember exactly where this happened. I did my own research. I figured out the exact location. Oh shit. And I said that I thought at the time that it was by uh, Bede Makaska, yes. the lake, and it was in fact very close to there, probably not far from your old place. Yes. Um, but what I was picturing was this hill yes. near the lake, and I looked on a map to try to figure out what this was. It was there's a big golf course that's kind of like gated off for like a long way around that neighborhood. And for a lot of it, you can't really even tell that it's a golf course. It's kind of just like trees. But there's a big fence, and there's a hill on like the western side of this giant 
fenced off area. So my girlfriend's family's house lives very close to there. We are um, coming around the corner of the block that her parents' house is on, which is essentially at the bottom of this hill. And uh, we can see up to the top of this hill. And there are uh, streetlights every so often down this hill. You know, it's a street, a fairly busy street, but there's no cars, no people out there at the moment. And I can see at the top of the hill as we're rounding the corner, a solitary figure. He is walking jauntily <laughs> at a bit of a clip and he appears to be wearing some sort of uh, Victorian era garb. Um, and at the time when I first saw it, I was like, it's a little weird, it's late. But I guess the fact that he was walking with the spring in his step and he was wearing what was obviously like a costume, I was like, ah, it's some some wandering thespian uh, is, is returning from a production or perhaps a party or something like that. I didn't really think too much of it. And I was like, you know, the fact that he seems to be like having a good time, he's confident and he's got his little costume on, like, it's not that weird. Right. But as he's continuing down the hill, I can see that it's like, it's like a top hat and a cane and a cape. So like really committed to this bit, if he's doing a bit or whatever. And I didn't really think about this until later, but he's walking in and out of these pools of light that the streetlights are creating, but we never see anything other than just solid black silhouette. He never really gets close enough to really observe anything beyond that. So again, I don't think too much about that, but he's essentially this solid black figure moving quicker and quicker. And I start to get a little concerned as he moves faster but I don't want to call attention to it because I know that my girlfriend will freak out if I do. And this is where it gets, uh, this is where it gets spoopy. Um, he starts moving toward us much more quickly at a pace that is supernatural. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. He is moving towards us in increments at which he seems to be skipping like several feet at a time. It's that sort of like shuddering yes. movement that's like, um, how are you sort of like skipping these steps that right. quickly to get closer? And as soon as he starts doing that, which again, I'm kind of like, am I imagining this? Because again, he's still like a little ways off, but it doesn't do anything to dissuade my like anxiety with the situation. She notices it and turns to me and says, I'm getting freaked out. And I was like, okay, let's go faster. So we start walking really briskly. The faster we walk, the more he's moving towards us and the clearer it is that he's moving in a way that a human doesn't move. And so we start running. And by the time we were rounding the corner to get to the few houses in where her parents' house is, we're full on running. And as we're running, he moves quicker than ever, very fast towards us. It looks like he's like flying at us but we don't look back at him. As soon as we turn the corner, we don't look. We run all the way into her house. She slams the door. I can't even remember if we looked out the door. I don't think we did, but she's incredibly shaken up. So am I, I'm still sort of rationalizing it to myself that I'm like, 
this wasn't actually something supernatural. It was somebody messing with us. It was something weird. You know, it was late at night. We don't know exactly how he was moving like that, but whatever. But she's really worked up. And she was, she is the daughter of an Episcopal priest. And she was like, we should pray. I was like, okay. So I just remember praying like, you know, but may these forces not find us and everything be okay, something like that. Um, and we go upstairs and that's the end of it. Um, obviously a strange incident, but one that like kind of over time, it's like, well, did that really happen exactly the way that we remembered it? But years later, we've broken up. I Googled like what I remembered of it, which was sort of like, Victorian dressed man shadow ghost or something like that. And not only is there an exact description of the kind of uh, supernatural being this appeared to be, which was a shadow person, there's a specific kind of shadow person called the hat man who matched exactly everything that we saw and, and the description that we saw. And I was not aware that a hat man existed, so I couldn't put that into words, which made it so strange to look it up and see like, oh yeah, so many people have seen this that it's like a thing. Um, and in doing a little bit of research about shadow people and the hat man in particular, they usually seem to appear to people who are going to go through some kind of trauma. And they usually appear to people indoors rather than outside. and it usually portends like a death or something like that. Um, and almost always the person is by themselves when they see someone. So the fact that we were together and like could independently verify that we saw this exact thing, uh, it was odd. The fact that we were like outside inside was odd. And that he was like really messing with us was like maybe not necessarily how it always goes. Um, and nothing particularly bad happened to either one of us in the immediate period after that um i mean we broke up uh she had an older brother who did die but years later um both of our parents sets of parents got divorced within maybe a year or two of that so that's the only thing that i can think like perhaps that's it um but that was that was the hat man baby and i've never seen him again i don't want to see him again i have no interest in seeing the hat man um if anybody has seen any any shadow people or any hat man sightings let us let us know um yeah i've never i, I i'm of the position with like ghosts aliens anything that i'm like i don't not believe it like I believe that there are things that are beyond our understanding in the world and perhaps they manifest themselves as things that appear like ghosts or demons or beings or aliens or whatever but uh, I'm confident that that was some sort of entity from beyond our <laughs> dimension of understanding that we encountered so I I have thought about this story a <laughs> lot <laughs> since the first time you told told it to me and the parts that I have a hard time wrapping my head around mm -hmm. are the fact that you both independently saw this. Right. And it would be easy to write it off as a one person being like, oh, 
you know, maybe you could like gaslight yourself into thinking, right. oh, I, I don't know. It was like a, I don't know, it was a bird flying or something <laughs> yeah. or like, I don't know what it was or I was, it, you could think of some sort of psychological thing that, so, but like the fact that you both independently saw this and experienced this and can't and the way you describe it and the fact that it had such a definite description and shape and yeah. like that is the part to me that i'm just like i yeah. don't i don't know how you explain it right if it had been one thing or the other if we were both like oh you saw that he was like had a, a top hat and a cane and a cape too okay that's weird i guess that was real but then the like the moving right in a in a non-human yeah. way was right. the thing that's like we both wouldn't be like like i could have easily if it had been just me been like well it seemed like he was moving really fast but probably wasn't the case but the fact that we were both like yeah this is exactly how he was moving was like yeah we saw something <laughs> yeah so. and i'm also of the belief that like ghosts or these sorts of things like i i don't i don't know like do i go out of my way to like try and find like this sort of stuff and like ghost hunt and read about these things. Like, no, I, but mm. the, the universe is so vast. Yes. It's hard to write off. I feel like it's arrogant to say something like there are no, yeah, there's no other living beings in the entirety of the universe. Right. Or there's to not be able to understand the, the ways that these things manifest like i don't know yeah it's, it's weird it's it's creepy i don't understand it <laughs> I, i've never known how to catalog this in my mind but yeah. it's 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 terrifying to me it is terrifying i'm grateful i didn't see it indoors i'm grateful i wasn't by myself i'm grateful we like got away i don't know what happens like you didn't follow me i hope not i've never seen him again um but yeah, I mean, they, they supposedly are like dark, dark forces, dark beings who may be, you know, in those in those late hours kind of roam between the liminal spaces between dimensions and sort of seek, seek out people to to mess with them. So, well, perhaps that's what was happening. Yeah, we, we I think we did talk about on the pre, the previous previously when we talked about this, that maybe yeah, he was jaunty and having a great time. Maybe he just. <laughs> He was in those liminal spaces and just wanted yeah. to. He's like, ooh, some humans. <laughs> some I humans. I shall fuck with them for 10 <laughs> seconds. And for us, it was like this life defining moment. I know, right? Um, but yeah, I can see the way that he was moving. He had sort of a, his hands in his pocket and says his legs were out and the sort of like, I don't think he was whistling, but it was very much like a, you know, that kind yeah, of sure. vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just can picture it so well, oh, man. Well, this... when you move back to the Twin Cities, John, <laughs> we'll go to the spot. Yeah. We are going to go to the spot. We will record a live for our next for the next Magnifite yes. Pod. Yeah, yeah. Magnifite oh, Pod on location. Book it. Put it in the books. <laughs> we'll go at like one a.m. We'll go for... one a.m. We'll look for the we'll look for the Hat Man. Oh man, um... I don't want to find him. Get him on the pod. <laughs> Get him on the pod. Get him on the pod. It's just like two minutes of like. Brrr. <laughs> like we don't know what happened we passed out all right so john speaking of things that are creepy yes i have a question for you 
Hit me. Do you want to play a game? I'm ready. I'm ready to redeem myself. Well, yes. I mean, last week you had a game for me. I did two out of five. Yeah. It was we call tough. that the, the John Potter special. Yeah. <laughs> you were asking me questions about local monster legends. Mm-hmm. And this week I'm going to do something a little similar mm. in a game I'm calling We Did a Quiz. We did a haunted quiz. It was a smash. It was an informative, albeit a spooky smash. I like it. I'm ready for it. So I have five questions, and four of them are going to be about haunted places okay. around the country. I like um, it. But the first question is more of a... You know, I want because it's these are these are hard questions, you sure. know, and I felt like I wanted to throw one out there that I felt like sure felt like there was a, a little something that could be yeah. um, likely that you'd be able to get. So sure. are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Well, question one. It's a spooky time of year with potentially mm. scary things around each corner. Solenophobia is a persistent and irrational fear of what? A, masks. B, graveyards. C, Halloween. Or D, bats. Coming in here, assuming I'm a, a Samhain novice of some kind, <laughs> when I quizzed you on Samhain previously in this miniseries, I Did appreciate the, the softball, but it, it is C, Halloween. Yes. Um, I had forgotten that you had asked me a question about Samhain. Uh, <laughs> okay. But yes, it is specifically a fear of Halloween. There are people who have fears of masks. Um, sure. But yeah, Samhain was the, was the Celtic festival. Yes. Uh, so. And I, one for one. Yeah, one for one. All right. Let's see what we can do here, John, because we're getting a little local for you. Mm. Last week, we talked this question, too. Last week, we talked about various monsters spotted around the country. But what about haunted areas? Not too far from where you live in Lake Zurich is the infamous Cuba Road. Many have experienced paranormal phenomena on this stretch of road. One of these I made up. Well, first, I need to ask, John, are you familiar with Cuba Road? I have heard of this, but I forget what exactly the, the thing is. Okay. Well, um, or several things. Yes. Three of these are things that people have experienced. One of these I made up. A, a phantom black car near the cemetery that suddenly disappears. B, distant car headlights that rapidly flicker on and off, but disappear as you approach them. C, a ghost woman with a lantern that flags down motorists, but disappears when the cars stop. Or D, a cigar-chewing gangster appearing in the driver's rearview mirror. All very plausible. All very Chicago ghosty things to happen. Uh, and not too far for me. And yeah. you know, might have to do this in the next you've couple never weeks done, here. You, I'm surprised you've never done Cuba Road. I did well, this in high school and yeah, I hated it. 
I guess because <laughs> I, I was driving my friends, and I don't know why I agreed to this. <laughs> I guess college would have been the time to have done it, but I wasn't hanging out, you know, in Lake Zurich too much back then. So I, it only would have been like as a full adult, and I'm like, what, am I going to go by myself? I mean, I guess I am now. But you need um, to, any, if, John. If the the Hat Man has proven anything, you need another witness anytime yeah. you're doing something spooky. Maybe I'll FaceTime you for this. <laughs> um, black car, black car uh, suddenly disappearing. Seems plausible. That's definitely somewhere in Illinois. Maybe everywhere, but I know that one. Distant car headlights that rapidly flicker on and off disappear. That that also seems like it. Um, scar chewing gangster, obviously very Chicago. You know, ghost woman with a lantern that flags down motorists. It, certainly plausible, but maybe the most sort of um, general seeming. So I'm gonna go you made up C. I'm you're saying I made up the ghost woman with the lantern. Mhm. <clears throat> Sorry John, no. Shit. It's the gangster? No, it's uh oh. the the headlights flickering on and off. Oh, that seems like a thing. Yeah, not on Cuba Road it's not. I don't know. All right. But yeah, the the ghost woman with the lantern Okay. Terrifying. Somebody appearing in a rear view mirror sounds classic jump scare to me. Yeah. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> what, what, I mean, you didn't get to share a spooky story. What happened when you went to Cuba Road? Um, I think we just all freaked ourselves out. Yeah, that sounds, <laughs> and then we were just like, I'm, these places. I'm out of here. I'm not gonna, I think we were just psyching ourselves up and didn't wanna. Yeah. You know, not to not to get too sidetracked here, but you may not have a spooky story of your own, but didn't you say after the fact that your mom heard my story and said that she had also seen shadow people? Yes, I think she had something similar like that. Yeah, might have to get her on the pod. <laughs> Hear her side of the story. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying. All right, question three. Anyway. Stowe, Vermont. Hmm. There's a covered bridge known as Emily's Bridge. And it is said to be haunted by the ghost of a broken-hearted young woman who took her own life. Emily is said to do through two Emily is said to do three of these as people cross the bridge. A scratching can be heard from beneath the bridge by pedestrians. B scratch their cars leaving gouges in the side. C scratching the bodies of pedestrians that walk across the bridge. Or is it D, cries for help? So scratch, 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 and then cry. Right. Uh, I see that I see that format, and I think to myself, what you want me to say is cries, but I think you're messing with me. Mm. So I think one of the scratches you made up. Mm. Um, God, all terrifying. <laughs> Scratches can be heard beneath the bridge. I mean, awful. Uh, scratching the cars, leaving gadgets on the side. Scary. Scratching the bodies pedestrians that walk across the bridge hmm I'm gonna say not that I doubt Emily's supernatural abilities but scratching <laughs> the cars to the extent that gouges are left inside I'm calling bullshit Emily I think B is made up well I'm sorry but <clears throat> Emily's calling bullshit oh, on you she's gonna scratch my eyes out um the, yeah, scratching beneath the bridge. I Ooh, made that that's up. That's the scariest one, by the way. Yeah, it's it's scary. Um, yeah, so yeah, people have claimed that they have like deep gouges in their cars. Wild. On their cars. Um, but the the story is 
the story goes is that there was a girl who was engaged to be married to this rich guy and she was poor and that he said that they were going to elope and meet on this bridge and he would meet her at this time and apparently the guy's family said no that he couldn't marry her and he didn't show up and so she was so distraught that she killed herself and so now this bridge is haunted yikes i mean yeah. a covered bridge already i'm already like pretty scared yes in general at yes. night yeah um, and it's a short bridge too and to mm. say like people can hear the cries like just in the Ugh. short time on this bridge. awful <laughs> i mean northeast why why are you covering all your bridges you're just asking for ghosts <laughs> to scratch at them okay? i'm saying i'm saying uncover your bridges bro hashtag, <laughs> hashtag uncover <laughs> the bridges it's time for this madness to stop yeah um let's let's head let's head west Let's head to Portland, Oregon. The Pittock Mansion was home to Henry and Georgia Pittock. Unfortunately, the couple didn't get to enjoy their newly constructed home for too long as they both died a few years later. Visitors to the mansion claim to have experienced a number of paranormal events. Which one did I make up? A, apparitions of the Pittocks and their groundskeeper follow visitors around the mansion. B, the smell of roses, Georgia's favorite flower fills rooms with no flowers in them. C, a childhood painting of Henry moves on its own around the mansion. Or D, sounds and hammering, sounds of hammering and metal on concrete from the basement. Hmm. So, childhood painting of Henry moving around. Are we, are we to believe this is a Harry Potter-esque situation in which he's moving between portraits or how the actual painting is walking around or how's he My around? understanding is that like, painting is like the frame painting is like in different places okay okay yeah so it's like it's like oh in this room i thought it was hanging over the fireplace but now it's in the it's in sure, the, sure. The, the, the sitting room and it's you know hanging <laughs> over the couch or whatever sure um i'm not assuming it's like flying and hovering or something like <laughs> now if he was moving around between paintings that'd be pretty cool yeah that'd be pretty uh, but also it's like He'd be like, Dumbledore, they're on their way or whatever. <laughs> um, let's see. Apparitions. Believable. Smell of roses. Classic ghost thing. Sounds of hammering. I believe the construction thing. I don't know. The childhood painting thing just throws me a little. So I'm, I'm going C. You made that one up. You're saying I made up the childhood painting of Henry. Um, yes. Sorry, John. <laughs> um, Struggling. No, Struggling. The, uh, the hammering and metal and concrete. Okay. I, I made that up. I was I trying like to. Thing, I, was, though, right? I was trying to like also like combine this like idea that they had just constructed this home right, and right. they didn't get to live there that long, and so there's like this longing to. I don't know. Yeah, who's the lady who like never stopped constructing your house or whatever? You know what I'm talking about. There's too many. There's, there's too many haunted places. <laughs> I... She like got some premonition or something that it was like she was going to die unless she never stopped working on her house or something. So there's all these like stairways that go to nowhere and doors that lead to nothing. She never stopped working on it. And I believe, you know, the oh. tale goes that the sounds of hammering are still heard. You know, like I did. I did. We will look, I will, we'll look after this because I don't want to accidentally reveal to accidentally reveal anything, sure. but I do remember seeing, uh, a place that this there was like this really bizarre house that had like that had stairs that like led into the ceiling 
yeah yeah that's that probably the like place nowhere yeah right but so we'll we'll look it up but all right john let's see if we can round this out to uh two out of five let's see if we yeah, can we'll see um heading back east we're going to salem massachusetts the turner ingersoll mansion also known as the house of the seven gables mm. has a rich history with connections not only to the salem witch trials but to nathaniel hawthorne as well with so many potential souls lingering around this house which one of these spooky events did i make up a Visitors have experienced a disembodied voice of a woman in their ear, as if close by. B, sounds of what is thought to be a child playing in the attic. C, the faint sounds of women crying in other rooms. Or D, the face of a woman standing in an upstairs window. Hmm. Again, all plausible. Uh, I like all this content. But it's tricky. It is tricky. I don't, I don't know how to answer them all. Um, one for four here, so you know, a lot riding on this. Um, I believe a disembodied voice. I believe a child playing in the attic. I believe women crying. I mean, the face of a woman standing in an upstairs window, uh, classic. But I, I want that one to be real, so I'm gonna assume that one is the case. Uh, I mean, a child playing in the attic maybe seems the most sort of um, scary movie trope to me, perhaps out of step with the other that are more woman centric. So I'm going to say you made up B. Saying I made up the child playing in the attic. I'm mm. sorry, John. Tough one. It's a tough game. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the sounds of women crying in other rooms, I made that one All up. Right. I mean, uh, you could hear them crying, though. That's not out of the question, right? <laughs> I feel like they would do that. <laughs> yes. So Nathaniel Hawthorne, apparently his, maybe his, one of his relatives was like the sole judge in the Salem witch trials. Right. And so there's like some connection with that. And um, so there's like maybe somebody didn't ever like maybe his grandfather never repented or something or other people repented but uh nathaniel hawthorne's relative didn't um but the the child playing in the attic uh there's like you can hear like the kid jumping around um playing upstairs or like see them at the bottom of the stairs mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, the disembodied voice one, um, he says, so this person who was there said this, uh, when Christopher descended to the bottom of the infamous attic stairs, he heard the distinct sound of a woman's voice next to his ear. Shh, shh, the voice murmured. Christopher whipped around expecting to see his girlfriend standing right there, but she wasn't. Apparently she Awful. was still a good four feet away standing in the middle of the stairwell and she hadn't said a single word. Don't like it. Nope. <laughs> yeah, and other people feel like this feeling of unease when they're in the attic. Yeah, um, it's no good. Yeah, so like the most haunted places, you can find a list of all these. But the, oh, this one is super bizarre. The Red Onion Saloon in, in Alaska. It used to be a uh, like a bordello of some kind. 
and Bordellos are always leaving behind all kinds of yeah but this is the, ghostly the, shenanigans like even before you get to the the like the the haunted stuff mm-hmm. so at this bordello it had 10 dolls that would be placed on the bar downstairs each one representing one of the ladies and so the customer would choose one of the dolls and lay it on the bar and then, and then they would return it to the sitting position after they you know they were finished and Yikes. apparently the dolls are still at this saloon so like that's, don't like it that's uh not a fan of that <laughs> at all so here nope. this is what i'm wondering um the yes. winchester mystery house of san that's Jose. the one yep yep yeah to keep away the vengeful spirits she commissioned the victorian fun house turned macabre uh macabre dwelling that you see today some of the creepier features include Staircases that lead directly into the ceiling, doors that open to brick walls, and windows that can take you into secret passages. Yeah, I've always wanted to go there. Um, it looks wild. <laughs> it looks very wild. They did during COVID like a virtual tour of it, which I didn't get to go to, but I should check that out if it's still available. Anyway, Magpod remote segments at haunted locations around the country coming soon. Gotta say, um, John, you know, uh, you know, if I ever if I ever strike it rich, um, not going to build a mansion because every single mansion in the in this country seems to be haunted. <laughs> You're just asking for trouble. Just, I know, right? You don't hear too much about the haunted studio apartment, right? Like, <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> just keep it simple. Um, yeah, but Cuba Road, man, that's uh, that's what you got to do. So I'm, one I'm of going. Those days. Maybe I'll maybe I'll call in uh, with a segment to play. There you go. There in a future go. episode. There's also places where it's like, you know, supposedly if you put the car in neutral, it like pushes you away or pushes you down the hill or whatever, that kind of, that kind of vibe, those, yeah. those sorts of places. Uh, I live a block away from a cemetery that supposedly some things happen uh, on like New Year's or something every year, some spooky things. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll see what happens. I enjoyed the content of this quiz, even though I struggled at it mightily um perhaps post magnifrite pod i'll have a better showing sure but i've enjoyed these quizzes making them and, and playing them so well done quiz master thank you and thank you for your participation in the quiz as well i've enjoyed uh playing them and trying my hand at 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 them and even though i've also struggled you know it's still it's still fun they're tough um thank you mickey for those extra points um, <laughs> um i will contest that mm. uh, we have ruled <laughs> mm. um you know what else we might contest what's that <laughs> our favorite songs on harley poe's mm. debut album in the dark colon or b movie trash exclamation point yes uh should we hear some of that after a break i think we should yeah we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll discuss that very first harley poe record Hey Sugar, I'm Erica Michelle. I host a voice diary called Brown Sugar Diaries on the Rock Candy Network, where I spill all the tea about my daily experiences, life lessons, my journey to healing and wholeness, my life as an entrepreneur, student doctor, CEO of a nonprofit, and I give my opinion on the current happenings of the world. You see why I have this voice diary? I got a lot of stuff to talk about. Tune into Brown Sugar Diaries wherever you listen to podcasts, and let's sip on this tea or wine. You cup your business, sugar, okay?
and we're back. Talking Harley Poe. Talking in the dark or B movie trash. You know, Andrew. Yeah. Not a lot of harmonica on Magpot over the years. No. Uh, you might be thinking to yourself as you come in from that break, huh? Harmonica, a jaunty bass line. This sounds like folk horror, not horror punk, but you know, this week it's a bit of a, I don't know, not a stretch, but uh, this is maybe one of my bigger sort of, um, I don't know. It's kind of a cheat this week. Uh, it is. Harley Poe, not not a punk band, certainly in the horror punk genre, I would say, but much more sort of folky country. Folk punk you know, because yeah. Joe was in Calibretto 13 and yeah. they were sort of an acoustic punk band yeah. and it's all connected. Yes. Um, they're also not technically a Christian band, certainly not at this point, which no. again, maybe a bit of a cheat, but um, we thought they were worth including. There's lots of interesting stuff to talk about with Joe Whiteford and he certainly has a strong history in the scene this may have been our one chance to sort of get into it and people are curious maybe about why we chose this record you know i don't think it's i don't think anybody maybe would argue that it's the strongest uh, harley poe record but it is technically kind of a calibretto record um it's all the same band members as calibretto it was originally intended to be a calibretto release um but before they released the album they changed from Calibretto to Harley Poe, which we'll get into a bit, but it's certainly not out of step with some of the stuff they were doing as Calibretto. Like Joe has moved sort of further and further away from that, I think over the years. But at this point, the line between Calibretto 13, which was very much in the, in the punk Christian alternative world uh, and Harley Poe was pretty blurred. Um, so I want to ask you a couple of things. I want to get into a little bit of Calibretto history mm. as context and then a little bit of Harley Poe background. But when did you hear of both Calibretto and Harley Poe, respectively? Um, well, I definitely was listening to Calibretto in high school. So mm -hmm. I listened to Enter the Danger Brigade uh, a lot yeah in high school and i think it was probably one of the albums that and maybe i've mentioned this before on the pod but when i was first starting to play guitar and mm -hmm. write music i like i was such a punk kid but i didn't i wasn't in a band or anything but like the idea that i could still write punk songs mm -hmm. on an acoustic guitar was yes. very appealing to me. Yeah. So, and Enter the Danger Brigade was, not only was it, did it have that sort of that punk aesthetic and that it was still kind of fast and not super polished. Right. But also fun and yeah. like, silly but also earnest because he was still talking about real things about mm -hmm. and talking about faith and uh so 
it just it appealed to me at at 16 years old it yeah. was um it was speaking a language to me yeah that makes a lot of sense did you follow their trajectory along the way into when harley poe formed you know i don't remember when you asked me the all-important question when i first heard of harley poe and i can't yes. i probably heard of them pretty early on in his career as harley poe in the, in the transition but i think that there was just something about what he was doing the aesthetic that just didn't appeal to me <laughs> yeah which probably doesn't surprise you much but you know it's the, very uh it's got a very particular scary disturbing aesthetic yeah i mean more so as he's gone on yeah. he's <laughs> it's cartoony and weird but yeah uh, he his, disturbing. His, his art style has evolved significantly yeah over the years and i'm here for it yeah. i love that harley poe is not just music it is right. i think about it as aesthetic i think about it as art and yeah. toys he like makes toys right and like creates these figurines and yes uh, it's super fascinating to me yeah yeah he's a real artist of many mediums um yes and i i don't know they they have not been on my radar at all calibretto not a band i listened to at all growing up um but heard their name a lot over the last few years as we've been doing the pod and I maybe heard them at some point growing up, but but I don't remember it. And then I I think I had seen some Harley Poe stuff over the last couple of years, but it didn't really connect for me that they were the same until, again, the episode of Common Creatives that I did. We talked about Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and we talked about uh, the documentary about the books. And it opens with Joe performing uh, the Hearst song, which is one of the poems in the books, and he did a, a song of it. And his Harley Poe appears in the movie. And at the time, I was like, "Oh, this is cool." But it was like when I was talking to those guys that they were like, "You know, that's like the Calibretto guy and the Harley Poe guy." And I was like, "Oh, this guy seems very like on my wavelength." Mm. Um, so since then, I've kind of gone back and 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 discovered all this stuff. But yeah, I mean. Uh, Calibretto 13 formed in 1997 in Kokomo, Indiana. Again, Indiana, very spooky place. Yes. Um, so so <laughs> wild to me. It, it is an interesting factoid. <laughs> um, and there was always a, a, a folky aspect and horror elements to their songs. Um, but as you said, they were often focused on problems of the church. And they were songs about critical thinking and, and taking things seriously. And as such, I think they always sort of were pushing the envelope in the scene and butting up against the edges of it. Um, so that trajectory of theirs really tracks. You can follow it pretty closely. They started more punk, uh, as you said, Enter the Danger Brigade, came out in 2000 on Tooth and Nail. And it is a punk album, but it, it certainly is, you know, on the folkier end of things. But there's been a, a, pop, a pop punk structure to their songs that's always permeated their work even into the album that we'll get into today um and then they moved increasingly in the direction of harley poe over their records both kind of thematically and musically um they released adventures in tokyo in 2002 also on tooth and nail and some split releases and eps along the way uh including a split with 
Mercury Radio Theater, mm. who we haven't mentioned yet on Magna Fright Pod, but a friend of the pod, Five Iron Frenzy drummer, Andy Verdecchio, uh, texted us to remind us, hey, Mercury Radio Theater, very much in the Christian horror punk world. Yeah. And he's right. And uh, we were remiss not to mention them at some point. Really cool band, more sort of instrumental. Um, so maybe not exactly uh, for our purposes, like as, as, um, helpful as some of the other bands we've, we've gotten into but a really cool band to check out if you haven't um and that that split came out on standard recording company uh which is or was i think still is no it was based in kokomo and then moved to indianapolis but that's also what a bunch of the harley poe records are on yeah um but kind of as they were as calibretto was sort of evolving they went from calibretto 13 to calibretto and with the name change also came less of a focus on a christian audience um and uh, I read an interview with Joe where he was saying, you know, he wasn't sure he believed that message anymore. So wasn't sure how he felt about sort of continuing in that world. So all of Harley Poe's initial members were Calibretto members. And when they, when Calibretto broke up in 2004, that's the same year that Harley Poe formed and put out this record. Um, and the band at that time was Joe on vocals and guitar, Chad Surhall on bass and Christopher Thomas on drums. And In the Dark uh, had originally been planned as a new Calibretto 13 album or just Calibretto album. But as I said, a number of things kind of led to them breaking off in a new vein. Um, increasingly over the years too, sort of misanthropic songs. Uh, mm -hmm. That's always been an element to them. Tragic songs, murder ballads, uh, very, very violent films adjacent. Uh, to the extent that this album almost sounds like a violent friends tribute band or something <laughs> like there are also some uh some very bright eyes moments bright eyes those are um, the big two right yeah. i mean vocally he's very um i don't want to say indebted because he's like he's copying them or something but i think he he vibes in a way that those guys gordon gano and uh and connor oberst yeah. vibe um but yeah and i think again he kind of moved away from that early on it's very lo-fi um you know he incorporated different styles and different instruments and the sound got bigger and fuller um you know always kind of acoustic and folky but keeping that punk structure in their songs but it's definitely they've evolved i would say um in these early days very much um kind of in that country tinged you know country death song violent femmes thing um but I would say, I mean, it's this album is a really interesting mix of things. It's the first of a bunch of albums that they've done. I'll run down some of them real quick. Uh, this was 2004 in Standard Record Standard Recording Company, then The Dead and the Naked in 2006, also on that label, then Wretched Filthy Ugly, 2010 on Chainsmoking Records, Satan Sex and No Regrets, 2012 on Chainsmoking, Pagan Holiday, <laughs> 2013 on Horror Hound Records, uh, and then the last two records, I mean, there've been some comps and EPs and things along the way, but the last two have been uh, Have a Great Life, 2019, which was self-released, and Uke Puke, self-released earlier this year. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I, I struggle, like every band we've covered this month, a bit with some of the lyrics here. Um, and I can't decide, like many of the bands we've covered, whether it's something I actually need to be concerned about or whether it's just kind of creepy you know shocking for shocking's sake 
is he being right. misogynistic or is he just singing murder ballads you know i don't know right yeah that is that you know is where i bump up against the, yeah. the it too you know what is what is tongue-in-cheek what is writing in the vein of a particular style with a history of of this kind of song it's clear that he's going for the a particular aesthetic we're talking about vampires and zombies and right. things so it's obviously we're there's we have to take some of this with the grain of salt and if we're taking yeah. some of the songs with the grain of salt why not just like look at it all as sort of yeah. a a fiction a fictional yes. kind of character and then because obviously some of the stories he's telling are obvious right. fictions but <laughs> mostly about murdering people <laughs> mostly about murdering people but just i i have to presume that not all of the stories even the stories about human things that are happening are yeah not based in a reality so i think he's just writing sort of short stories dark short stories in a sense yeah. and but even still, that aside, um, there are some moments that I still things that I'm just like, this is not, yeah, for me. Even if it's paying, even if it's an homage to a certain thing, it's yeah, it's might not be for me. Yeah, I would say, you know, aesthetically and sonically, I think this album is great. It's very catchy. I like all his stuff. I think he's clearly, as we were saying, some kind of like savant. He's he's incredibly talented, very prolific. Very prolific. I like living in his world of weirdness, and I think he's great at crafting tales. All his songs are super catchy, really fun. Um, but it is kind of a bummer to live in that headspace for too long, I found. And again, I know there are their their themes progressed over the years, and I will give the caveat here that I always do, which is, you know, this is uh what 17, 17 years ago which is maybe not as long as some of the bands we covered but still a while ago he was a lot younger um you know he i think simultaneously it's worth calling out a lot of these bands that tend to have elements of sort of toxic masculinity or misogyny in them most of the bands we've covered have some elements of that at some point uh while also saying we are trying to point the finger at ourselves and we also we're guilty of being part of a scene that was toxic in some ways when we were younger and it's not like we're better but as we look back on sort of these songs from a long time ago that perhaps people have different feelings about now i still think it's worth noting like well there's some stuff here that's maybe a bummer however at this point i want to bring in a message we received from another friend of the pod also a five iron member mike artega the man the myth the legend he wrote in with something that was on my mind as something I kind of wanted to mention this episode as we're closing out Magnifrite Pod. And he said, it's interesting to hear you break down lyrics to some of these bands, lyrics that are problematic. I agree with most takes, but in a world that has quite a bit worse, I'd be curious to hear your take on a, songs like, on a song like Sex, Murder, Art from Slayer. Makes much of the transgressions of these other bands seem so, so tame. <laughs> he included the lyrics in this email to us, and they are truly awful. And every sort of stereotype of parents horror at metal uh 
personified. I mean, and uh, Mike, noted, noted Slayer fan, big Slayer fan. Pretty sure yes. he went to their one of their last shows. Yes, I believe so. Um, um, I have not looked at these lyrics yet, but um, they're a bummer. I'm not going to read them. <laughs> Folks can look them up if they want to. But he's essentially saying, like, he's like, I guess I write this to say there are much worse things out there from the same time. I feel like your shock and awe may be a bit overplayed. Magpod for life or death. Uh, P.S. Also, I'm a fan of Slayer but I cut quite a bit of slack as you might've guessed for a Christian Slayer fan. Um, <laughs> and really what I wanted to say in that is like, as we've said too, it's not like this stuff was exclusive to Christian punk or the Christian alternative scene. This permeated the culture in other male fronted bands, especially of the scene. And especially, you know, we're talking about horror punk and horror metal. There's all kinds of awful <laughs> stuff in that world about murdering and misogyny and all kinds of awful you know again kind of shocking for shocking sake stuff and sure any of the bands we've covered this season harley poe included sort of pale in comparison to any of that stuff um so i don't know i i guess i'm like we're on a show where we are analyzing lyrics as part of what we're doing um and so we're going to mention it but probably most sort of horror adjacent bands we would have a similar situation where we're just like taking issue with certain things and you know i'm a huge misfits fan there's a lot of songs about uh, murdering people and murdering women in particular and i enjoy them but i do feel like oh that's weird and so i don't know there's just this tension of like how much do you sort of go with the character um how much is okay so anyway that's just a tension i wanted to name and that will come up today uh having said all that uh this album was released april 18th 2004 and standard recording company uh, I couldn't find any credits for this anywhere, um, but suffice it to say, it's a low, a low-fi production. Um, I, I think it's a great album. I, I really did enjoy going through it, and uh, it's an interesting. I mean, visually, you know, Joe White is uh, Joe Whiteford is a visual artist, as we said. The cover is sort of Edward Gorey-esque. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, the liner notes were apparently like individually made books that were duct taped together, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, so anyway, if, if folks know more about the production, um, let me know, but I couldn't find much in the way of that. Yeah. Um, very DIY, which still lends itself to being very punk rock. Yes. I'm assuming band produced unless I hear otherwise, but yeah, should we start getting into it? Uh, absolutely. We should, uh, first song I'm coming for you. You were lying there. 
my number three? My number two. Okay. Uh, you don't often hear a, a mandolin laced bop <laughs> about murdering. <laughs> you do not. No. Yeah, I uh, definitely, you know, opening the album with a sort of a murder ballad about yeah. uh, him being wronged and going and killing the dude and then killing her. <laughs> yeah. It's so fun and bouncy though yeah (laughs) that's what's so fun about yeah i mean that's part of the violent femmes vibe is like even that i mean his vocal quality obviously but like that acoustic bass sound is such a specific sound and it's kind of like jumpy uh bouncy like theirs is too but well not just that too but the super tight drum yes yeah yeah yeah. snare is just like cracking the whole time yeah it's driving not an elaborate set that he's working with but it's very tight um so i i don't know i i just love how fun it is how bouncy it is again mandolin harmonica i love it um there's cool stacked vocal sections at the end of the song i mean this is one for me that especially with that chorus like has a definite sort of pop punk song structure to it you can hear this could be like a straight up punk song with electric instruments and stuff oh 100 percent I think it's great. And that juxtaposition of the fun bounciness with like extremely dark lyrics is kind of Harley Poe's whole deal. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, the chorus, like she cheated on him, the choruses, and I'm on to you. And I know that you've been fooling around again. And you know what I'm going to do? After I find him, I'm going to kill him. And then I'm coming for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> which again, like funny. It is fun. It's tongue in cheek. Um, but I remember when we talked about deadlines, I was like, I kind of relieved that the song is about like, somebody killing him yeah. <laughs> instead of killing other people. Cause that's such a like horror thing. Yeah. Um, so sometimes the like, and then I'm going to kill him and I'm going to kill you. It, it, it wears on me after a little while, but in this one, yeah. I think it's, I, I can, I buy this like kind of fun character that just kind of, it's more of a joke, you know? Yeah. I, I think if the, the, the style of the music were different, Yes. <laughs> then it would be like, oh, this is just more of a bummer. If, right, it weren't, right. if it weren't so bouncy and fun and it weren't Joe's vocals, right, then it'd yes. be like, uh, um, well, right. somebody should check on this guy. <laughs> he delivers lyrics in such a way that makes you kind of feel like he's in on the, he's, he's delivering his almost as like punchlines. So Right, exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, and now a song that I feel like there needs to be lots of conversation about <laughs> yes. I'm interested to get into. Uh, transvestites can be cannibals too.
This is my number one. Okay. This is my number three. Okay. Um, but but up there. Ah, it's the the chorus, especially when the chorus comes back with the harmonies in there. The chorus um, is great. Yes. It's so catchy. And yeah, by the time the harmonies, you know, it ends that it ends with the chorus. And by that point, there's like harmonies, there's Glockenspiel on yeah. top of it. It's just yeah. like a great, it's so catchy and fun. Yes. Um yeah, I sort of <laughs> I'm glad that this is in your top three too, because I thought this might be one where I was like, it's so good. And you were like, yeah, but like, there's a lot of problems in this song, but like, you can't deny how catchy and fun it is. I mean, I also, I feel like we need to bring up the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. uh, the term transvestite, like, right. I think in, I think in this context, he's not talking, talking about, a transgender person transvestite i think at least in, you know sort of a passe not maybe not like necessarily a commonly used word anymore right. i think is more used uh to describe cross cross-dressing or drag mm -hmm. yeah um yeah i mean i i don't know i just all throughout sort of like is this cool are, are we cool <laughs> with this because like yeah I mean, I will give him the benefit of the doubt a bit with the term transvestite, as this was 17 years ago. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He, it's possible he identifies as, as genderqueer, maybe. Like, this might be something... I wouldn't be surprised if these elements of talking about when he was young, wearing his sister's clothes and stuff, maybe come from his life. And, you know, he talks... Uh, an ongoing theme a lot of these songs is sort of, like, feeling like a, you know a misfit and right. uh, an, an outsider growing up. And part of that can be sort of like painting nails and wearing clothes that you don't fit in. I could see that being lumped together. I don't know about his sort of like sexuality or whether any of that applies to who he is, but regardless, it sort of contributes to the stereotype of trans people being sick in some way. You know what I mean? Like there is this like stereotype in horror stories of like often serial killers are like cross-dressers right um, exactly yeah and in this case he's a cannibal and he's taking revenge on people who bullied him uh by killing them and eating them right um and, and in reality i don't know when in reality people who of in this community are more likely to be uh yeah. victims of violence than the ones committing violence themselves right yep and I don't know. I, I guess, again, this was, this is 2004. It's not 2021, but it's one of several songs that I'm sort of like, well, if you are a misfit, does that give you the right to use some of these terms that he uses? I'm not sure that it does. Um, there's a lot of song, you know, he's like, I hate the popular people because I ain't popular. And again, maybe he's sort of winking, but a lot of this does seem rooted in his own sort of feeling left out or unusual and wanting to sort of get revenge in some way and lumping that in with something like being a transvestite just sort of feels like, I don't know. I, I question like how much of this is sort of his experience and how much of it is sort of like, well, I was a freak too. I wasn't popular. And therefore I can say things like I'm a transvestite cannibal. Uh, I don't know. Lots, lots of interesting things here and throughout the record. Um, but I cannot deny just how, I mean that chorus, the like, and when I was young, yes. it's so so yeah. fun. Yeah, um, I love the harmonica and the folky vibe throughout. Um, 
we should say he re-recorded this for the album Satan, Sex, and No Regrets. And the version of that one sounds much less lo-fi and has less of that violent femmes bounce. Um, by that point, it's more upright based rather than acoustic and has like picking, finger picking style and both really cool versions, but I, 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 I really like the song. Yeah, there, but the, there are some other lines I think I want I wanted to call out mm-hmm. in this song. I just don't understand the reason why I sin. Why can't I be a bigger man and walk away when you tear me, you tear me down and make me feel like I'm worth nothing? But then again, I'm sure that you deserve what you'll be getting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, sort of like I don't know. Should I be doing this? But then again, you are terrible. So <laughs> right. Yeah. Which you know, everybody sort of loves you know uh, a story of comeuppance against people revenge who are, fantasy yeah there's a certain element of fun to that but it really permeates pretty much every song in this album um and so sometimes there's a line where it's like is this is this icky or is this fun um but uh i don't know i i think i i like this song a lot and even if there are there are some songs in this record that feel to me like almost left over from being a christian band and maybe that part is part of it where he's like sort of wrestling like is this sin i don't know there's some songs that feel a little more like the shaming uh judgy variety than i was expecting from harley poe but at at this point they're still kind of considering themselves a christian band i guess before they moved out of that whole world so yeah anyway interesting things to consider he's still obviously like wrestling through some thematic things here yeah, still invoking Jesus on this record, mm-hmm. even if it's not like right. a Christian way. But yeah. Um, Vampire's Night Out. Oh, yeah. Love that bass. Yeah, man. number one okay yeah. so we have the same top three <laughs> the same top three they're the first three songs of the album yes <laughs> they're just a different order yeah and frankly I, I struggled with the order but so they could kind of all fluctuate i think so anyway yeah uh this is a straight up bright eyes song it's especially connor <laughs> oberst on this side yes yes i'm so it's like a this is like fevers and mirrors sort of era yeah, yeah. connor oberst there's there's the oh gosh, what's the name of that song? There is a a song, um, a lover I don't have to love. Oh man, that's a great song. Yeah, I feel like it's I sort of a lover I don't have to love. Yeah. yeah, very similar, very similar. Uh, that it's sort of giving me that era. Yes. Eyes that I'm when like, he gets into those sort of 
rhythmic things of like I'm gonna do, 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 do. Well, there's also the like, the end counter. the end of the song when it gets quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. it's great fucking rules that's <laughs> so why good. it's i was gonna ask you to play that very part because yeah, that's yeah. why it's my number the, one right the there. layered vocals the build yeah. up there it's, Ugh, it's great. so fun that build up of the quiet chorus into just like the ending with a bunch of different vocal parts i mean it's yeah it's so great another Again, just super catchy chorus and another example of a song that one could hear translating to like full punk band yes. just like doom, 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 doom. definitely yeah, I really like the kind of creepy acoustic vibe here. I think it, I think this is kind of the Harley Poe sound working at its best for me. Um, yeah, another one where he uh, he re-recorded it for Satan Sex and No Regrets, and again that version sounds fuller and different. But I kind of like the picky sparse uh, version here. Um, really, really fun. Um, Again, kind of icky lyrically, maybe. Um, you know, he's 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 a vampire out on the town. He takes a young lady home. She thinks she's getting one thing, but he just wants her blood. So on the one hand, I'm like, fine, kind of funny. But he's like, it culminates in this repeated like, I shouldn't complain. You shouldn't complain in a world where death is so much gain. You know, basically like, ah, eh, sure, I'm gonna murder you, uh, but you know, don't complain about it. It's actually an improvement over your life. Like, again, I don't want to overanalyze. I'm just saying, like, the line between that and an assault uh, perpetrator justifying their action is not that. Uh, I think, I think, yeah. especially when the thing is like juxtaposed with being picked up at a bar and sort of like, right. you know, sort of there's some line that's sort of like along the lines of wrong place, wrong time. Kind right, of thing. right. And, and I think this could be an example of us maybe reading too much into it. And it's like, sure. Because well, he's a vampire <laughs> and uh, he's talking about it. Like, and the reality is vampires are terrible <laughs> right. creatures. Yeah. And yes. I think there, there's any number of things in here, especially if we're talking horror punk, this is right. It's all going to be in the vein of <laughs> terrible things happening. Yeah. If you're writing from the perspective of vampire justifying his actions, I, I I got no problem here. And actually, you know, we should say this breaks our streak. There's no song on this record being a werewolf. Uh, That's true. And, and using werewolfism as a sin. So he's got to use something. So why not vampires? And even from that perspective, it's like, I guess that's the part that kind of bums me out is like, it's not so much like I did this terrible thing, but more just like, yeah, I'm not remorseful at all. Like, I picked you up and I needed your blood. So like, I don't know, stop complaining. <laughs> I don't know. But again, probably maybe, what a vampire's thinking. So hey, and you know what? Maybe he's saying, like, what are you complaining about? Now you're gonna be immortal. Yeah, maybe he's turning her into a vampire, which again, nice to be consenting for that kind of thing. Um, but uh <laughs> nobody, no, no, we're nobody's we're not a lot of Bellas out there trying yeah. to have some some people want the vampire experience. Yeah, well. <laughs> vampire vampires need blood and 
they, you know, if they want, I guess if they want to go to Naperville, they got a lot of, a lot of <laughs> blood, uh, blood donation facilities out there and not a lot of garlic festivals. I'm going to do some investigating. Yeah. I'm going to crack into some of these ACVs. A- a- ABCs. ABCs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Corrupting my better half. Have you ever been in love? Once. She's dead. She got shot. sounds like it lyrically this feels more like a like a masked intruder song than Hmm. yeah (laughs) because it's like uh somebody you know being in love with somebody and then like now you're on the run from the law but you're in love and you're corrupting them but you're still in love this is kind of like this is the most sort of like i'm okay with this uh serial killer love song dynamic here more than i am with some of these (laughs) (laughs) it's like they get married and he confesses that he's a serial killer on the run from the law, but you know, she supports him uh, <laughs> till it ends in, in tragedy. Sure. Um, but I, th- I think this one's fun. I don't know. It's not like a, a major standout to me, but I like it. It's got a fun energy. Yeah. I like it. Um, again. Yeah. Like you said, not, not a major standout for me, but I still think it's um, got a Bonnie and Clyde sort of, yes. sort of thing going on there. I was assuming that that opening clip was from Bonnie and Clyde. I could not verify that, but it seems like something from that movie. I don't know. Something like that anyway. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. You, you're usually the, know. The, the clip master who, who yes. knows some of that stuff, but I missed the young Frankenstein one. I'm sure I'm missing something here. So yeah. let us know. Um, very curious to hear what you think about this one. Prom night. Mm.
a little bit of a 50s vibe for this song yes i i'm way into this song i really like it and all the i mean this is just like the story of your life all these guys <laughs> hating hating you they're like she just wants johnny johnny hey hashtag not all johnnies okay <laughs> i'm not like those other johnnies um except, yeah uh, except you know uh he was a hottie <laughs> so many of these songs <laughs> start out with like okay this girl was hot <laughs> That's okay like let opening. me tell you something about this girl she was hot <laughs> she was a hottie um yeah I, I i really into the 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 melody here that chord progression i love when things kind of go up just that one half step um da, na, 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 na. i think that rules um cool little guitar solo i'm glad we got to hear some of it there um so yeah musically very much into that that vibe that 50s sound it's almost like you know again with the full band i could see like early weezer kind of sounding this way yeah um another one that's uh maybe a little bit of an incel anthem oh gosh <laughs> um, man this okay so this song i i don't have I don't have a problem with most of the songs on this record just because of it's a, you know, he's a vampire or he's a right. cannibal or, uh, you know, homicidal maniacs or whatever. Right. But when you start talking about disaffected kids yeah. in schools, like yeah. bring, bringing bombs to schools to I kill, know. to kill like it's like because it's specifically about schools and we're like at this yep. point like five years out from columbine you know and and it's not like anything in schools has gotten better yeah i mean i was gonna say like this is post columbine too but i'm like i mean in the last 17 years this thing has only gotten worse and worse and worse yeah i don't know i could be wrong this strikes me that's, as the what, I was, that's that... what i was trying to say it was like five years right out. like right, you know, or just right. like was that you think it was 99 right so. yeah yeah right yeah i mean i just it's the kind of thing that like you wish you hope that this maybe is something that he wouldn't do as much now as the world has gone the way that's gone but like i don't know there's a, a getting revenge on popular people by murdering them theme that again that line between sort of like i'm on this guy's side he's a, a scrappy misfit it's a funny song it's tongue-in-cheek and like well where does this sort of um, misanthrope thing feel like it's just, um, you know, a a kid who becomes so obsessed by being left out and bullied by popular people that he murders them all? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And even if it's like tongue in cheek or whatever, um, glorifying that kind of figure is not something I ever feel comfortable with. Um, and there's like some other additional sort of Columbine adjacent toxic masculinity stuff that comes out later too. Now, having said all that, again, I'm like, my 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 overdoing it here. You know, it's maybe indebted to like a movie like Carrie where that's, she's bullied. That's what I was. She thinking. takes revenge. You know, yeah. There's definitely a horror. Yeah. Prom nights are popular in horror stories, so yes. I don't know. I give it some leeway. Yeah, it's that's the thing like are andrew and john taking this way too seriously as we're we... just a couple of woke sjw's <laughs> just a couple liberal cooks <laughs> you know but i don't know it's yeah i it's again like i said the 
there's lots that I I give a pass to. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> just something about like specifically him being like he's dead because of my bomb. <laughs> You know, which again is disturbing, but is also like, okay, well, that feels like kind of a joke, you know, like that's a, that's a turn of phrase that you're supposed to be like, I I get it. This is like, you're supposed to laugh at it to some extent, you know? (laughs) So, yeah. So, all right. I can always eat your brain. (laughs) Sure. fun love the love the harmonica yeah um he's good at he's really good at telling a story uh, yes. good melodies uh, the end of the song has yes uh a fun little i would like to hear that please yes okay. uh about 410 yeah this is also the longest yes song on the record. it doesn't bother me though this this is a very calibretto thing the like him being like all right okay come on here we (laughs) go like that's double time (laughs) yeah that's really fun is something that he definitely did on enter the danger brigade so i love that i love the like you could always eat my brain (laughs) the like little back and forth shadow vocals into the double time is just like incredibly satisfying i don't know this is definitely a a highlight for me on the record it's fun it's really fun um and i don't have any uh i don't have any qualms with the lyrics i just think they're fun What about the girl had syphilis? Mm, some qualms. <laughs> this sounds like a song that would be uh, put over some sort of 
Facebook video showing <laughs> showing someone. You and Andrew to... have been friends for twenty years. Or yeah. <laughs> no, I was gonna say like it's like uh, some sort of you know five five ingredient meals oh, yeah. on like yeah, yeah, on yeah. like Buzzfeed meals <laughs> or something like that. Yes. I get that this song is supposed to be silly, obviously. Yes, right. Obviously, it's a joke, but the I don't ex- usually expect moral lessons from right. Harley Poe, or you know, and I'm sure this is something that he would probably not write or think these days. This kind yeah. of like, uh sort of slut shaming like yes she's she gave it to you right but like you know and she's giving it to all these guys and it's like even though he deserves it it just seems like there's some for some reason like she's being blamed right you know? like yeah i don't know no it's it's this one feels weirdly the most like sort of a christian band song on the record even though it's called the girl had syphilis in the sense of what you're talking about sort of the shaming and it feels like a tale of warning to promiscuous women more than anything else sort of or like not to be promiscuous with those women of the night i don't know it just even if the the joke is is yeah obviously meant to be sort of taken all tongue-in-cheek it's like what's the punchline here you know like i don't know it just feels a little it's like the punching down or like what are we satirizing? I don't know. This one just kind of bums me out. I also feel like it's the least interesting musically, maybe on the record. It doesn't do a ton for me. Um, yeah. So not my fave. No, not my fave. It it mostly just bums me out. There, there got to be ways <laughs> to write songs about like, hey, everybody be smart without being like, oh, here's this this slut given everybody's syphilis right yeah all right it's uh yeah it's a bummer thinking with your weenie (laughs) if it says weenie i guess i can't be like that mad at it (laughs) but maybe i can yeah i mean rhyming thinking with your weenie and little white bikini bikini yeah pretty it's pretty it's pretty good (laughs) all right uh now homicidal maniac which Mm. is the most streamed song on this record. Oh, interesting. You don't like me much at all. You like to see you fall. You're a prig and I'm a little rot. You're the king of the 
baseline right there is so good that's that's cool <laughs> again very femzy yeah um i don't know I, I think this one's fine again another song about i was picked on in school and now yes. i'm killing everybody <laughs> no it's another kind of incelly adjacent vibe which is a bummer i just even like i don't know uh terms like homicidal maniac <laughs> again i know this is like spooky over the top stuff but i'm just like it's another one where i'm like i don't know if it's cool to just throw those terms around just because you felt like you were a misfit you know what i mean like yeah it feels like another one in the entry of like well i was picked on so you get it i'm crazy i'm a transvestite <laughs> like i don't know just like it's another one about a, a, a bullied kid who gets revenge on pretty girls because they were pretty and popular and murdering them because they were popular and again that just feels a little too much like the columbine yeah. kids ethos and the toxic masculinity that often drives uh these kids who talk about the chads and everything so yeah i don't know it just uh, and it's like not doing a ton for musically i do i mean I, I think it's fine uh that chorus is catchy but i'm surprised that it's like the most streamed kind of yeah the I in the, in the chorus I hear I'm a homicidal maniac. Whoa, you better watch your <laughs> uh -huh. back. Whoa, Whoa. Yeah. I, 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 I just hear that's where I hear. It. Let me let me see. I'm a homicidal maniac. Whoa, so you better watch your back. Whoa. I think you punched it up. I think that's an improvement. Uh, yeah, very easily translatable to a pop punk song here, for sure. Um, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, it's another one that I'm like, meh, sort of offended, sort of don't care. <laughs> so <laughs> We're coming up on the, uh, we're at the penultimate here. Yeah. There are uh, four live versions. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know if we, we necessarily hear a little of them, but there's not yeah. that much going on there. Yeah. Uh, date with the undead.
really like this one. I'm into it. I like yeah. the the noodly the I don't I don't know what what sort of style of drumming you call that. Mm. Just like the shuffling kind of Yeah. The the whole vibe. I don't know, it just kind of has like those brushes. Yeah. yeah, between that sound and the like little guitar solo sound, it's almost like a cow punky tumble down vibe yeah. that yeah. I'm here for. And I always really like that that vibe and that sound. I think it's fun for spooky bands to play in that world too. Um, I really like the, you know, there's something creeping down the stairway. That's a really cool repeated line. There's something creeping through the entryway or whatever. Um, and then there's a really good, another nice uh, bridge build up into sort of cool shout along gang vocals uh, at like 2.45. Could we hear some of that? Oh yeah. They're marching on, they're marching on, what they do. We're marching on, we're marching on, we're marching on, coming for you. We're marching on, we're marching on. I think that's really fun. More of that, less yeah. of the murdering chads <laughs> and girls. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm 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 always here for like a build up into like a shout along. You know, zombies are coming for us. Uh, gang vocal time. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe some more icky lyrics though here. Maybe. <laughs> um, you know the lyrics. Uh, Such a beautiful young lady. You don't deserve to die this way. But if the zombies don't get you, evil men will take your innocence away. It's like, hmm. Uh, could this have been your destiny? Seven ghouls sucking on your bones. But from sin, you know your spirit will be free. But your body will belong to something else. I'm like. Uh, yeah, there's definitely some carryover <laughs> here from calibretto yeah that feels like the remnants of a 90s christian band uh yeah. there to me yeah um i don't know if i need sin and evil men like again it just feels a little bit like the like pieces of maybe songs like vampires night out where i'm like yeah sure these monsters are gonna eat you but like maybe it's better because you were like destined for sin anyway <laughs> you're already like, you're already out at a bar you're already right. probably sinning right you're probably already got you probably already got syphilis <laughs> right and again don't have a big problem with it the main point is these zombies are coming and i'm i'm here for <laughs> shouting about that and i really like the sound of it so again i yeah. maybe i'm i'm taking too much out on some of these songs but there is that element there you know last week when we were got that voicemail from danny when we were talking about i like lycanthropy by blaster the rocket man and mm-hmm and we're like uh these lyrics is this about like werewolves and and the lgbtq community is this equating you know gay people with being werewolves and they they need to satiate their desires or whatever mm-hmm. and danny stairs was like yeah i don't know fuck this song <laughs> this is not <laughs> but then Otto um mm-hmm. from the band was saying like you know he listened to the pod and like how much he cringed at some of the lyrics and how much right especially considering how much he's evolved and and he's did he made some comment about like oh because we said something about like gay werewolves for jesus and <laughs> yeah he was into that he was into <laughs> he's into that so it's like again like giving uh, trying to not be so hard on on yeah people are and because you know people evolve and you know uh obviously 
Joe is not a religious individual anymore. So his uh, songs about uh, people living sinful lives and, you know, not going to heaven or whatever, right. probably fewer and far between. So, yeah. Um, songs about suicide, like this next one, however, continue. <laughs> <laughs> the Uglies. Some brushes. Yeah, I don't know if we need to hear more. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It it's, doesn't do a ton for me. <laughs> it's a bummer closing song. It is, yeah. Uh, I yeah. mean, again, that kind of country death song vibe, I guess it um, encapsulates uh, some of their approach well enough, uh, although this is a country, you know, suicide song. Um I don't know. It doesn't do a ton for me and it's a tough hang. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it seems to me that we're glorifying the wrong things hmm. and that we're talking about, I mean, I don't know Joe's situation, but like mm -hmm. various mental health disorders and situations, whether it's suicidal ideation or, in this case, we're talking, you know, hearing voices and again, like making it like these are these people are they're insane and they can't live and they need to kill themselves because of how bad things are. And it's like, what what are we what are we saying? Like, what is the message of the song? Like someone is hearing voices and that's that's why they're killing themselves. Like, I don't I don't know. Right. It just, it just kind of just rubs me a little bit sure i can way. see that i did take this one to be maybe a little more uh more of himself in it than other songs on the record but i have no reason to think that necessarily maybe it's just because it's not as like supernatural um and clearly as someone who's struggled with belonging and, and stuff but um yeah it could be uh, yeah i think there are this is in sort of keeping with other songs where i'm sort of like 
is this okay? Are we like mining this for shocking content sort of, or is it a genuine uh, first person wrestling with, you know what I mean? So well, I he says, they beg me to do such horrible things. They play with my mind. They make me ashamed. I'm afraid they're going to make me hurt you. Yeah. That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I mean, as someone who has wrestled with suicidal ideation in my in my darkest moments it's not mm-hmm. a it's not something i feel compelled to like write about sure. in a way that's like yeah uh i don't know isn't just, it cool or something yeah. yeah it's it's yeah because reveling it's, in it sort of right? yeah. No. no yeah i get you thanks for sharing that i yeah, I agree. There's something about it that like, and again, this isn't dissimilar from some of the bands, but it maybe feels more pronounced on this record. That's like, is this stuff that you're, you think this like sounds cool for being sort of a misfitty horror song? And is that okay if that's all it is, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. That's a... Uh... <laughs> that's in the dark in the uh dark. i feel like yeah go back to the vampires um go back to the, the bounciness there are some a uh, few live tracks as you said uh they're fun you know i think they maybe capture a little more of the intent behind some of these songs where it's clearly like the crowd is laughing along with him and he's delivering right. a great performance live i mean I, well, this listening to this really makes me want to go see harley poe uh if that can happen again or see joe in some capacity um, I think that would be really fun to do. Um, so some of those live songs are fun, but it's not like I like rediscovered the songs with these versions or something. Yeah. And I think part of me thinks like Andrew and John are reading too much into this and, <laughs> yeah. and taking this too seriously. But again, like we've done with a lot of bands this season, it's like, it's hard to remove. Mm-hmm our lived experiences and contexts yeah just right. because like something was you know even though this was 17 years ago and a lot of these songs are probably written longer than that like, you know more right. than 17 years ago still gotta talk about things that make us feel a little bit like uh, i don't know i don't right. know um uh slayer we're coming for you <laughs> yes yeah uh again and also this is not to say that like we don't like harley poe or yeah. like what joe does or or anything totally like that, you know no i i my experience on the whole with this record is great i thought it was super yeah. fun uh yeah. made me listen to more of their stuff and i will continue listening to them um, yeah i started um i there's like, well, let me, I want to see where, where he's evolved from this. And, and so I, yeah, I started listening to uh, his later discography and um, you know, he also seems to have gone through a divorce, yes. um, have, you know, a religious deconstruction and a divorce, yeah. uh, you know, so, you know, yep. Joe, Joe and I have, uh, have quite a bit in common in that, in those areas, it would seem. Yeah, I meant to mention that too, that kind of like, you know, a lot of these songs are somewhat about a relationship, even if probably most of them are just stories. But um, yeah, like a lot of the artists we've covered, 
um, you know, 12 years or whatever later, there was a, a divorce and a lot of his work after that kind of wrestling with that happening and sort of, you know, further cementing maybe feelings of being um, isolated. Um, so anyway, that there's, I'd say there, there are definite themes that run throughout all his stuff, but he gets more sophisticated, I think, uh, thematically and musically as he's gone along. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this record. I'm a big fan of Farley Poe. I enjoyed it. I look forward to hopefully seeing him at some point. And uh, yeah, and it seems know. like all of his merch is sold out everywhere. I like okay. went to his website and was like, is there, do you have like any records? Do you have any like shirts and stuff? Mm. Like, I don't see anything. Everything's like all sold out. Interesting. Yeah. Seems I like think he's, he's got like a niche. Yeah. He's got a very dedicated following, I think. Yeah. Um, so I think if uh, anybody, any Harley Poe fans are listening to this, they're probably like, you don't understand. You don't, <laughs> yeah. you don't know what Which you're is talking fair. about. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know what we got wrong. Um, I uh, had a lot of fun with Harley Poe. Had a lot of fun with Magnified Pod. Unfortunately, yeah. it's the end of the spooky road for us here. It is. Um, we are coming to the end of Cuba Road. Hope uh, no ladies with lanterns <laughs> take us somewhere we don't want to go. Yeah. Obviously had a ton of fun this month. As you said, the spookiness will continue some capacity going forward. Wink, wink. Uh, spooky season will live on in all of us. In the meantime, let us know what you think of our Harley Poe discussion and of Magnified Pod in general at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Subscribe if you already and give us a rating or a review. We will read your Apple Podcast review on the show. Email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763-8727 MagPod. You can support us at the Patreon, patreon.com slash magnified pod. And Andrew. Mm couple of very exciting announcements here Ooh, ooh, yes uh we want to say first welcome to new patreon punk jared i will not butcher your last name once again but i will just say welcome jared we'll also say welcome to very special patreon punk daniel autobot jack peterson (laughs) autobot unnecessary (laughs) but thank you welcome to the patreon family yes uh possible future guest uh we'll have to see yeah we'll have to see we'll have to figure out the the time difference between here and scotland yes we'll get it all (laughs) hammered up you can also pick up some of that magnified pod merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com we got t-shirts hoodies posters mugs water bottles all kinds of fun stuff. Um, we got designs by our dude Danny Leary, Sadie Hawkins Pod, and new sweet design, as we mentioned, by Bruno, aka at paper underscore scuffs on Instagram. Bruno of Unoriginal Vinyl, also home to Shadow Producer Jason at Unoriginal Vinyl. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Bruno. Thank you, Jason. These designs have been so so cool yes uh go check them out check them out on merch have never looked as cool as i do as a vampire <laughs> agreed i would i would a Frankenstein. Make, i would uh make daniel leary's mom cry <laughs> that cocked eyebrow she's I, just I'm, I'm like i look like the, down her face. i'm look like the rock got that people's eyebrow <laughs> going on that's right i can smell what you're cooking um and it's nothing with little... garlic 
That's right. We already made this joke, didn't we? Um, Maybe. I've got a little (laughs) shock of white in my beard as I do in real life, but it looks like a bride of Frankenstein style and that Frankenstein. It it rules. So thanks to all of you for that. Go check out that merch. It rules. Um, Rep your boys. Rep your boys when you're out there going going to the graveyard. (laughs) And with that, boys and ghouls, our time in the pine box is over for this year. We'll be back out of the grave next week when we'll return to the land of the living, starting coverage of Element 101. Oh, yeah. Like some vampires might come get me. John, I mean, after Magnifite Pod, a couple vampires. Ooh, hey. Gotta go out. So there was this hot girl, right? <laughs> she was a hottie. She was hot as shit. <laughs> but I drank her blood. Go far. I saw you sitting there. College girls? <laughs> Another some college girls, yeah. <laughs> Talking college girls. <laughs> Fucking t-shirts, bro. These t-shirts. Fucking t-shirts. <laughs> For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.